0: Hey everyone, we have a really great interview for you in a moment with Hannah Black, great friend of the show. You're going to really enjoy it. But first, quick plug, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron, patreon.com slash pod. We do two shows a week, so if you'd like access to the bonus episode every week for interviews like Hannah's or just more Death Panel, then I uh, highly suggest that. And uh, that's, that's all. Enjoy um hannah meet vince and phil Hi, and yeah. i guess me Hello. technically it's such a pleasure to meet you how <laughs> how would you like to be introduced artist and writer because i'm assuming like i hate when people are like oh yeah you're an artist and activist i'm like
1: well, yeah i'm no, also just like, i'm such i'm a total dilettante i'm just i'm like i'm like an activist fan I also like i don't know i kind of whatever sorry we don't need to get into that um artist and writer <laughs> is fine you can say i'm usually in usually live in brooklyn but i'm currently stranded in london um which is a fun fact about me um, I that. um yeah that, uh I, and i don't i don't know how you can introduce that i don't really have any like special rent strike expertise but you could just say i've been i've been calling it revolutionary admin i've been doing some revolutionary admin. <laughs>
0: death panel today we have a very special episode we are joined by guest hannah black who is currently in london though not usually hannah is an artist and writer and revolutionary admin sorry you can cut that already it was just too fun to not say but um yeah hannah thank you for joining us Longtime friend uh of the show universe i guess you could say yeah um, probably for our audience this might be their first time meeting you but um thank you for
1: coming on it's a pleasure Happy to be here on the internet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, you're stuck in the UK right now. Normally you live in New York. Um, Not that we'd be able to see you in person anyways if we were doing this from New York, but you're currently in the UK, which is not where you normally live full-time, correct? Despite your accent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't lived in the UK for about seven years, so um, this has been a surprise, but... um, like, I'm on. I live in the states on a work visa, so I can't uh, currently come back, which is kind of so strange. But um,
2: basically, caught between the worst of both possible worlds. <laughs>
1: exactly. <guess>. The two <laughs> two of the worst Corona current Corona outbreaks.
2: <laughs> yeah. On
3: <are>
1: my homes. <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. It's just if you didn't laugh, you um, you'd have crack, to lie down yeah. The forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're used Um, to that yeah
1: so that's um, kind of, I'm actually still paying rent in New York, which is sort of the initial impetus to kind of get involved in some of the tenant organizing stuff. I'm not, I'm not personally in a situation where it would make sense would be appropriate to rent strike because I, um, uh, live in the same building as my landlords and they're the, they are in the building and I'm they're literally paying off a mortgage on the building. So, it, I mean, obviously there are many situations where it's, um, not really possible or strategically a good idea to, mm-hmm.
3: right. um,
1: kind of join in rent strikes, but that was kind of a, that, a, a, and I realized that pretty early on, but it's been really, um, interesting and absorbing to kind of well yeah as you mentioned um in the introduction I've been calling it revolutionary admin I mean not so much calling myself a revolutionary admin or other yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, I think I borrowed this from my friend Genevieve like the idea of kind of it's a sort of sub organizing category where you're not maybe like an expert organizer but you're um, very willing to be helpful, kind of, <laughs> right. <do> like revolutionary <laughs> spreadsheets. I actually really don't like this thing that a lot of long-term organizers and activists do that I should probably be more respectful of whether like, they're like, oh, it's really boring. You know, people want to tell you how boring it is and how much they suffer and it's extremely tedious right. and boring. They're like, the, the thing is, the thing you have to understand about organizing is it's extremely boring and it's totally pleasureless. There's no joy and it's terrible. And it's like, I'm sure that happens <laughs> over time. You have moments like that. But in general, I think it's the only time I'll willingly do a spreadsheet. Right.
3: <laughs>
1: same.
2: Yes. Um, yes. we're, we're all gonna need to find new ways to apply our skills uh after being an artist is no longer a category that we can meaningfully <laughs> occupy or at least
1: not a financially lucrative category as it used to be perhaps
2: but of course Maybe, everyone yeah. can still make did art did it used to be
1: <laughs> uh,
3: well
0: for, for some people i guess yeah um
2: i meant as a as a uh, yeah as a, as a sustaining general. pursuit as a life life support indeed pursuit.
0: yeah right yeah, yeah. Like, it's very hard to be an art handler if no one's making money in the art world, even. You know what I
2: mean? Yeah, a lot of our friends. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I I feel like that's actually kind of a better way for me to even think about the way that I approach organizing, too, because obviously it's, like, absent of an institutional or organizational affiliation, like, I don't know, there are a couple different types of activism, and I feel like so many of those are hinged on, like, people's personalities, or it's, like, a celebrity cause, or something, like that but I feel like a lot of the sort of organizing that you've been doing or just like talking is just talking to people online and trying to make sure that like you can direct people towards things that could be useful or just like sharing information so I I feel like
1: yeah yeah. I think I think um really good organizers are almost like experts in the in the social it feels like um Mm -hmm. uh and and there's lots of different ways to be that I mean there's as many different ways to be an expert in the social as the way there are ways to kind of be a person or whatever but um I was talking to someone last night who, who was doing an amazingly clear kind of self-description, and she was like, "She was like, one of my gifts is that I'm one of those charismatic leader types, so I'm really good at things." <laughs> so, I mean, it's a bit like rap, where it like really like demands a kind of like quite uh, like high degree of like clarity about what you're like and what your weak- strengths and weaknesses are, right. with, 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 uh-huh. without sort of the, the ego, the attendant ego and shame that often. Comes with that, so in some sense, it's already it's already impressive practice, and that's why I, I don't say I wouldn't say it. I'm an organizer. I mean, also because I'm super inexperienced and stuff, and I, I'm a deal of time like by by nature, or whatever. <laughs> one of my <laughs> strengths and weaknesses. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I think um uh and and that's often what uh, I mean. It's almost a cliche, I guess, at this point, uh, and and especially when you're thinking about something like tenant organizing, which is based on asking people to do something quite ex- potentially quite extreme or that might feel quite extreme to them, which is. Um, to risk their home, uh, then that's very mm-hmm. conversation-based, listening-based, conversation-based. Uh, people often say, like, you know, when you're organising conversations, should be 80% listening and 20% talking. I, I always... Uh, you know, feel bad when I hear that because I'm not sure if I've ever had a conversation with that person. Talking <laughs> the, the, the horizon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a goal. One a day goal, I'll be organized yeah. and I'll be able to talk 80 percent of the time in that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. That's yeah. a good point. It's uh. So let's let's sort of talk about like um, obviously you can't rat strike for multiple reasons, both the uh, situation your landlord is in, but also like. Uh, your visa would probably be a bit of an issue. Um, I'm not
1: sure. Actually, that's a great question. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, the impacts. Are, I mean, I, I don't think. I'm not sure if this is true in every state, but there's lots of places where, for example, like withholding rent doesn't affect your credit score, which is something people worry about. And I think in general, I mean, you wouldn't want to lean on this too hard, and one would always have to check in specific situations. But a lot of these kind of agencies and institutions are not as connected up as you'd imagine, kind of. So things don't necessarily have a have a such an intense sort of like uh, linking effect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's true. There's various for various reasons I'm not um personally on rent strike but um and 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 actually um and I think that's true for a lot of people. I mean uh LA tenants union um have a really nice definition of um, tenant which is which, which is, is common in that on that kind of more autonomous end of the tenant movement which is like anyone who doesn't have control over their housing so in that sense it's quite mm-hmm. a broad mm-hmm. it's quite a broad movement and it doesn't it's not necessarily only confined to people who are currently in the kind of landlord tenant relationship that um, that necessitates or makes possible these certain kinds of um, resistance
3: uh, totally.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of calls from like activists who work either with like unhoused populations or in in uh, prison abolition for like the unification of like housing organizing, tenants organizing, um, like anti-criminal punishment organizing, um, bail organizing that these things sort of like all overlap and that typically we're used to like organizing sort of separately based on like identity or direct need, which is one of my biggest frustrations always is like, Mm -hmm. you know, highly the sort of like way that people are restricted into like organizing for very highly specific things, which sort of, you know, obviously like does not give us the power that we would need often. But that that said, I do feel like a lot of these things do overlap, particularly with like right now what's going on. I mean, you're also doing some work with uh, Rikers as well, trying to you've been raising money this past week for that with some other people in the art world. And I, I think right now in New York we sort of have this like horrible intersection of three really terrible problems, which is our housing is like ridiculously inexpensive or expensive oh my god our housing is ridiculously inexpensive here everything's so cheap my god now, it's a
1: radical new platform yeah. reopen the economy raise the rent
2: we just fell into 2020 from like 1973
1: well i having lived
0: through the the financial crisis in new york uh the most recent one in 08 like that is literally what people were saying on the street you had the reddest you damn high guy out there saying like all right you know do commodify all housing and then you had Bloomberg out there like, no, 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 we need to make more public parks and make sure homeless people can't sit on benches. We need
2: to raise the rent. Raise the rent. Yeah, That's how, yeah. <laughs> what if, quality what of life. we raised it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, sorry, you was, I didn't mean to you know, derail that. Right,
0: so we sort of have this issue of we've got, you know, incredibly expensive housing, um, an incredibly high rate of people who are unhoused in New York and a huge propensity of the state to sort of just funnel people into uh, the prison system, particularly in New York City. And we have, you know, thousands of people in Rikers and in a bunch of other prisons upstate as well, um, who are like trapped right now. Um, many of them in Rikers are there on like pre-trial holdings and mm-hmm. things like that, or for parking tickets or, you know, unpaid fines, etc. You know, one of the things we've been wanting to do is sort of talk about Rikers, but obviously it's a bit of a Bummer. So maybe, um, would you tell like the listeners a little bit about some of the work, like the work that you've been doing? specifically like trying to raise money because that might be a, like a yeah. less of a like a more silver lining way to talk about the crisis at right
1: yeah I mean I think the way I've generally been I mean like whatever obviously for a lot of people this is quite an emotionally challenging time and I my, my sort of like uh, prescription my my like um, uh, kind of non, non-expert <laughs> prescription whatever it is it is quite helpful to kind of just channel that into whatever kind of activity you can find to sort of positivize it like obviously sometimes there's waves of like um, numbness or grief or whatever that, that make that impossible but in general uh, when yeah. confronted with any kind of problem I found mm-hmm. it kind of helpful to be like who's working on this and like how can I help or whatever
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, and uh, but in this case it's just that I have a couple of friends who are involved with um, uh, Chloe and Genevieve who are involved with uh, RAP which is the release um, mm-hmm. oh my god now I'm going to forget what it stands for but it's working releasing prison. elders it's like release aging prison yeah oh,
0: right, right, right. uh, right, right. yeah prisoners like
1: all yeah. like, oh, doesn't stand for elders <laughs> but like yeah so that's so the <laughs> and releasing older people from prison and then um uh and also with parole prep which is uh kind of um you're probably also familiar with which is a uh, kind of interesting program of kind of getting mainly like i guess like young college grads to like kind of help prepare people for um for their parole hearings or whatever which are mm-hmm. quite quite complex and quite a tightrope right. to walk because obviously the system's very like geared to kind of continue the situation of mass incarceration everyone knows this or whatever um but um yeah so through them they were like um and I think the prison thing is one of those things that feels quite monumental. It just, just feels like a kind of wall. I mean it is based on the existence of walls and feels like a wall or whatever, which is you're just like that's I mean the situation with COVID in prisons is completely it's terrible. It's a disaster. I think it's something a situation where America really appears in its full kind of like outlying horror, like prison is really yeah, one of those.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Even though mm-hmm. obviously um, I think um someone on that um who was pointing this out? Maybe it was Ruth Wilson Gilmore actually saying that as as countries follow more neoliberal um, what's referred to as kind of neoliberal like policy systems or whatever, they tend to kind of have increasing prison populations. so there might be, it's possible that <laughs> other countries will like, catch up or whatever but, um, but yeah, That's super nice. outlying in terms of <laughs> prison population and also in this case in terms of um, y- you know, Iran released like tens of thousands of prisoners, like so many mm-hmm. countries that aren't, trad- I mean the UK has released uh, thousands of prisoners I think or maybe it's just hundreds here but any t- anyway the point is countries that really don't have a particularly kind of generous or positive relationship to kind of um, the concept of criminality have nevertheless uh released people because it's just the Mm -hmm. the the existence of um uh the, the combination of like prison prisons and pandemic creates this like disaster potentially disastrous kind of public health uh, crisis, like a kind of additional public health crisis on top of the, the general one. So so this is really a situation where it's, it's quite striking that um, uh, the uh, w- at the same time as Cuomo is being fated by various Democrats. And I think that's partly coming from people's kind of desperate grasping for someone, for a figure in yeah. authorities to kind of believe in at this time. They're like, doesn't Cuomo look great? You're like, well, not really. <laughs> <It's very laughs> oh, but basically something that I think is like, if, if it took on, I mean, th- I don't know if this is still the case, but at some stage, Rikers had the highest infection rate in the world. So, you right. know, and, and, uh, and if we think about um uh, I mean, not to kind of be, I, I know, sorry, I know Holocaust comparisons are a bit dramatic, but, there, you know, there were like concentration camps where the main cause of death was things like typhus and cholera yeah. and different kinds of epidemics or whatever it wasn't. that people were being sent to gas chambers or mm-hmm. whatever and those were also tried as war crimes. So my fun concept that I haven't been able to get around to, but I'd, I'd love for someone else to do is to try and get an op-ed in like a prominent New York-based uh, publication speculating with human rights laws on if Cuomo will eventually be, could be tried for like a crime against humanity or whatever for what he's allowed i am 100
2: percent behind this idea yeah i would totally volunteer, yeah.
1: volunteer.
0: Yeah, I would really volunteer to the it. entire death panel uh our entire discord also as uh, research assistance if you need any assistance it
5: is it's not hard to research the un human rights conventions here this is uh right this would be very doable i think <laughs> it also, it's
1: a bit, it's a bit Like gimmicky thing because obviously like human rights is such a weird category and you're kind of like what is the UN? I feel like the UN is like in movies. I mean I'm kind of obsessed with how in Marvel movies they're always like the UN and you're like what is the UN? The (laughs) the "The United Nations is extremely powerful and can do things. But um, but uh, but yeah, just because you're like what what would irritate Cuomo and what would make him look bad in front of liberals and they love the concept of human rights. So I I think that's that's yeah. But um, but in the meantime, um, yeah. So so these so friends who are very kind of um and also some friends. We are on um, various kind of like um, individual, like prison prison support, like prison support uh, kind of networks for like specific mm-hmm. pri- political prisoners in their system or whatever. We're all mm-hmm. kind of working quite hard on that. And they were like the most sort of like, seemed the most kind of like downcast about the situation or whatever. And then mm-hmm. at some point we're like, a friend was like, where can we get a bunch of money from to bail people out? Because as you mentioned, a lot of people are just there in pretrial conditions and just um, because they not, obviously not everyone, but a lot of people are there just because they can't afford Bail right. and um, mm-hmm. and then and the the stats on bail are quite extraordinary. I was pretty naive in relation to this. I mean, obviously, some people um, people have bail that's set as high as like two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. But um and uh, but overall, obviously, there's there's a huge range of different kinds of bail and um mm-hmm. and the the bail fund that's been releasing people has um uh, been putting out stats on that and at one point they paid forty seven thousand dollars to release 11 people so there's a kind of weird thing with bail where um, so okay so then we were like how do we get all this money and we were like well art people have a ton of money and i mean not maybe <laughs> maybe not for long but like right now right. and um <laughs> and uh, so we did this kind of quite weird sort of like spontaneously generated i, I mean this is what i mean i'm I'm, talk- I'm joking about revolutionary admin but i don't have a very admin or, or, or kind of structured. <laughs> Uh, mind or, or, or lifestyle. So everything I do tends to be like a little bit um, hectic or whatever. And so we, we kind of just ended up randomly adding things. Like I was like, oh, well, I just I just put a PDF of writing online and I've been quite kind of like amazed and touched that like 2000 people were like, 1800 whatever like loads of people downloaded it in like the first week I was like oh my god like people really like to download things from the internet or whatever I don't know so I was like oh maybe if I do another one then people would be into that and they would give money so instead of giving money to me they could give because oh yeah because also I was like oh if anyone wants to pay for me that would be cool and then I did actually get like a couple of hundred bucks or something so I was like oh maybe this is a good fundraising strategy and I, and I think um, wait sorry maybe I'll kind of generalise from this later and then I asked a couple of friends who are also artists so initially Juliana Huxtable and Nicole Eisenman and they were like super enthused and like then also contributed stuff and then just more and more people started to contribute to the point that I'm kind of at this stage I'm like oh this has kind of become like a brand promo opportunity <laughs> actually, We around two, and we're kind of getting like increasingly crazy offers I'm like wait I don't really know how to deal with this but like but, um, <laughs> but I think but then actually what's really nice is a couple of people who are in different communities like so someone who's more in a sort of like poetry scene kind of thing was like oh we might do a similar thing in the poetry scene and the person who did the graphic design for the first, um, uh, Kathleen who did the graphic design for the first um, iteration of the like meme version of it or whatever was like um, was also, I don't actually, I don't know if she's also uh, involved in poetry stuff, but she was saying she might do a similar thing. So I think it's, I think, um, I mean, art's kind of weird. It, it, it's a bit unfair because in the end, it kind of, we made about 40, $42,000 or something, which is quite amazing for like a one week fundraiser. That is mm-hmm. because art is like, you know, lots of like high net worth individuals. And, and and I guess, you know, to the extent we're plugged into those systems, we are plugged into like, I mean, that's always the strange thing about working as an artist, right? Like, you, you know, mm-hmm. like you're generally like, yeah. a lot of artists are quite poor and a lot of like the people you're working with are quite wealthy. And then in, in yeah. the middle, there's this kind of like bureau bureaucratic class of like curators who are kind of on like not very good salaries I don't know whatever so it's kind of a weird class um uh, uh, kind of map or whatever art uh, but that does mean that it's possible to kind of funnel money in certain kinds of ways um bail is a really depressing thing to raise money for in some ways because it's like mm-hmm. what the fuck is this like what the fuck like people are in prison for like yeah whatever and obviously there's been various attempts to end cash bail which is quite complex um, I, I mean, I, I tend to sort of oversimplify things, but wait, wait, I'll also mention that later. But anyway, so, but the nice thing about it is even though it can feel, I mean, firstly, people responded to it very like immediately. And I think maybe, um, and, um, I was using kind of some, I guess we're using kind of like fairly emotive language, like, you know, like rescuing people from prison or whatever, but, and that mm-hmm. that is kind of right. how I feel about it and i do come from uh you know like a kind of i mean i get the, obviously there's huge complexities about uh prison and who's in pre- prison and sort of social dynamics or whatever but like obviously we're coming from a, an abolitionist point of view which is like no one should of be course, yeah. in jail right. so but i did have some pushback from people who are like what about people who've done violent crimes and it's like I, I i mean in this case like emergency release fund is was set up um uh kind of specifically to to assist like trans women who are in prison and mm-hmm. the, whatever so I think in this case it's actually not and it's also they're mainly looking at people with like health, pre-existing health conditions and, and older people so in, in this case I, I, I don't think violence is the most sort of like like you know opposite category but obviously from like a full abolitionist position it's like well those things would have to be violent crime would um insofar as it's um whatever it's still a problem would have to be dealt with through like community um kind of uh, uh, techniques or whatever and that, that right. is quite complex issue but um but anyway the nice thing about the veil that makes it somewhat less um uh feel a bit less kind of like uh, crazy and sort of like kafka-esque kind of um whatever is that mm. uh it does i mean i guess it's still kafka-esque but it just makes it feel more satisfying is that the money actually circulates back <laughs> into the bail fund so so as people show up for trial and most people do show up for trial because that's how bail works like you're bailed out until right. you, you you appear for trial then the money circles back into the bail fund so so actually all this like frenzy of activity around covid bailouts which is they've had so much um that so many people have been doing fundraisers like we're not unique in that at all and um, right. and uh, and and they've really had this incredible uptake and I think at this point they have even got a grant from the national' it's, it's like a national bail fund or some kind of national bail mm-hmm. um, uh, organization that's also kind of given them a grant so it has it is specifically for like new people in New York and at present such as Right, because so that's cool, and the money will permanently stay as bail. Um, that's that fantastic. Happen, yeah, so that's really cool. Um, th- there's been various efforts to kind of like end cash bail or like whatever, and I think that's I mean, it's something I'm not super super clued up on, and it's kind of um, the, the the misgiving about it is that in some and I think I think organizers and activists are trying to keep up with this, but the misgiving about that is in some cases it can replace something people do a system that people are quite familiar with and do know how to kind of manage and hack or whatever and, with fundraisers mm-hmm. and so on um, with something that's potentially uses more con- of surveillance technology and different kinds of things that can right. present its own mm-hmm. set of problems, but obviously that's something you have to look at. at the I mean, like anything, these are things has to be looked at in a lot of detail and kind of legislative or policy, and then legislative. And and lots of people are way more kind of glued up on that stuff and 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 kind of uh, kind of into that. But um, but in terms of the fundraiser, I think yeah, I think it's like it's kind of fun. It's quite satisfying watching a ton of money come through Venmo. Venmo is annoying because you can only send <laughs> like X amount per week or whatever. But um, but um, <laughs> no,
0: it's great to know also that you're sort of like taking these donations now and building like a bigger pot to use later versus like if you're, I don't know if you're like donating to the WHO COVID fund, if you're taking your art proceeds and donating that, which is like what Hauser yeah. Worth is doing with Rashid, is they're like auctioning works of Rashid's and they're donating proceeds of online sales to the WHO COVID-19 yeah, gotta, fund. Like, yeah, a lot of good that's going to do.
5: But, Wait,
1: what, if, I, what even is that? They're like.
5: Right.
1: <laughs> Uh it's just a big
5: black hole. They're
1: like, Trump has cut the WHO funding for yeah. our House of Wife. Let's over so would,
2: yeah, the new government.
1: When a House of Wife going to give us medical rules?
2: I got an email from Artsy uh, asking a similar oh. thing. Like, we're, we're hosting a fundraiser. The, all proceeds will go to the WHO. And I'm like, are you... Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, no. Um, <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, as we've seen, like, I think it's quite telling that uh, the three largest concentrations of COVID uh, in the world have been in three U.S. prisons. Um, first yeah. was, or sorry, jails or prisons, like carceral systems. First facilities. was New York. Second, then Chicago surpassed it. And then Michigan just blew both of us out of the water. Well, it's with like
2: six of the top ten. Um, yeah. Right. And the wow. Centers of our outbreak in the U.S. are correctional facilities, and uh, like t- the, another two of the 10 are meatpacking plants. Right. So,
0: yeah. I'm, I, I, yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Really. And I mean, I'm, And we've seen with like, uh, you know, the way that like the Cuomo, uh, government sort of organized, like whatever the merits of like bail reform, the bail reform measure that was like passed in New York were, or could have been like, that's all kind of off the table because when Cuomo got this budget through like just a month ago or so, I can't believe it was that many weeks ago now, like three weeks ago, um, they sort of just like were able to undermine those ballot measures, um, Pretty quickly. Right. And that was signed. Uh, that was accompanied by a signed letter from every single D.A. in the state of New York saying you cannot release these prisoners. Meanwhile, you have people like Ramsey Orta, who sh- should probably not be in jail in the first place. Um, who's who's um, up at Mid-State Correctional. And that's the that's the person who filmed Eric Gardner's murder. Um, um, so they've already been like a- abusing him in prison for Several years now, but he was facing like torture, abuse, solitary confinement. But now that COVID's come out, guards have threatened to infect him intentionally yeah. and did for weeks before mm-hmm. he got sick. Well, and I think
2: this is one of those things where it's like people talk about crises as state of states of exception, but like the exception is actually the everyday, mm-hmm. yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the, exception state of the exception is the the
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. And like we're hearing all these things of like, oh, they might release Harvey Weinstein because it's not safe, and I think he's like what he's not in. um, Right? They released. They released fucking
4: Michael Cohen.
0: Right. They're releasing Michael Cohen. Except <laughs> so for like, we all know, or at least like the four of us who are New Yorkers all know that like MDC is like a fucking hellhole <laughs> and right. that there are tons of other facilities just in the five boroughs even that are full of like innocent people, often pretrial detained, who are in way more dangerous conditions than Michael Cohen was in his white collar <laughs> upstate recreational facility.
3: You know.
2: Yeah. Even last winter, the heat wasn't on. In no MDC, yeah before. that was crazy i think you were you went to those protests right Hannah? yeah
1: they were really i mean oh my god they were so amazing they uh, uh there was this incredible moment where all the, li- the lights weren't working at one point this moment when all the lights went on and the president and everyone who was outside which was mainly a lot of like families of people inside were like just everyone like went crazy it was really nice um uh but um i mean obviously and, and against the background of a completely fucked situation it's kind right. of interesting it does the prison stuff does come back around to housing as you sort of said earlier in the sense that obviously um one of the other things that a lot of energy is going into right now and again this is just something i'm sort of like tenuously like hearing about from people who are very active in it is um it's kind of what, what like how to deal with people like basically finding people kind of uh, resources for when they do get released for those people who are bailed mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. um and um And that's actually kind of an interesting moment where you sort of crash into the kind of maybe like psychic underneath of like people's sort of investment in the concept of, of say like crime or whatever. So while a lot of people um are abolitionists and feel quite strongly about um prison and then you know feel feel very negatively towards a prison and towards mass incarceration, um I think they have struggled that the various organizations involved in trying to place people who've been released. Um and obviously people being released in many cases need to be in quarantine 14 days and so on. Or there's situations where sometimes people can't get a place in like the shelter system or like whatever it is like people need housing when they're released. And that's actually a situation It becomes much harder to get people, which, you know, for various, very complex set of reasons, it becomes harder to get people to um, offer housing. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's um, and I think that's mainly I Mm -hmm. mean, I I guess in some cases it seems to be because people do still kind of like you you think like, oh, this person has been in prison like that. There's some maybe there's some kind of criminal, obviously, as you mentioned, in lots of cases they haven't even been charged with it uh, they haven't even been um uh convicted of a crime and so on but then at the same time i think it's also you know a lot lot of people are are, are like poor and there there is this sort of um i mean I, i used to like resist the word classism but because it felt a bit like sub theoretical or something but i think actually it's pretty good for like indicating there's also this kind of like um emotive and kind of interpersonal content or whatever and um and i guess something i do try and sort of i mean whatever yeah it's it's it is it is quite complicated what and i think that sort of leads on to like you know maybe or or maybe goes back to the kind of general question about like conversations and communication and that is such a central part of organizing It's um that um all all these things in the end do sort of come down to the level of like relations between people as well and like how we're going to continue to kind of be working across our different like um communities or like ways of being to try and like uh deal with not only the the pandemic as it continues but also the aftermath where we're probably going to see like um, right. massive right. poverty and immiseration and well it maybe austerity be- measures at the state level and and, and so on but yeah oh
4: definitely. oh definitely i mean it does sort of feel like part part of the work of like connecting all of these things is like trying to create a bridge between all of the the motivations for each one of them and like and f- and for sort of like the i don't know the empathy that it takes to like to to see mm-hmm. all of these things like together mm-hmm. and then like But what, but what feels really cool about it is just like the fact that like once all of those bridges are built, they stay, I mean, you were, you were mentioning like, you know, the fact that like this fund of money that you guys raised, you know, is basically just like recycling because, you know, people people go to trial, you know, and then the money flows back into the fund. But it, it does also feel like conceptually and emotionally, like potentially there's this like possibility for like a really like a really lasting bond between all of these like different um, forms of mm-hmm. of activism that like I think could could potentially be like, you know, a positive uh, uh, aspect, like you know one yeah, positive thing, absolutely- coming out of like a shit situation. But-
1: Absolutely. The dream is to try and find ways of connecting up all the various um, efforts. So, for example, um, I mean, of, of course, all these things are complicated. I mean, um, yeah, there's there's enormous amounts of like in, intra organizational yeah. beef that, ha- that right. kind of happens, especially again, sort of like more long term organizers or whatever. There's often quite complicated, like in personal stuff. So, you don't want to be like too like kind of boosterishly enthusiastic about it. But it does, yeah, I also feel like the, her- the, the the kind of immediate well not even, I don't know how to talk about this. Maybe the horizon right now is like is, is some kind of like as many kind of connections and affinities as possible between all the various different people who are kind of like working on the situation. So that's like you know, like mutual aid the more kind of political end of the mutual aid groups, the tenant mm-hmm. unions, um, that hopefully there'll be like more and more of locally and hopefully eventually whether that's hopefully eventually be some kind of like networked, a bit like LA LA Tenants Union have like locals and there's like a network around the city. Like it's it would be nice if that sort of develops in New York and maybe that'll mm-hmm. come out of like housing the Housing Justice for All, like Can't Pay mm-hmm. May campaign. Like you know, it's not it's not clear yet, but like yes, yeah, so tenant union, mutual aid, um, uh, like potentially like DSA or like DS, you know, like that, that kind of infrastructure, and then and then like maybe like some of the like post Bernie. Uh, people right, who, right. who have, have so many skills now and things like fine banking and and and, right. and and you know and talking to people and, and should be you know have there's so many things to use those things for right now. I'm I'm, right. I'm actually quite surprised to hear that some Bernie people have like I mean, even though I also works on the Bernie Sanders campaign and like whatever and um but I, I was a bit I mean whatever not to be um harsh or <laughs> I'm just like I'm like there's no time to be depressed right now. <laughs> no, I felt the same no, way that's, uh,
5: That is sort of that is sort of the most distressing, one of the more distressing Um, I think developments here, which is there's the, all of this sort of raw capacity. And yet I think it's also like, uh, so there's like the depression factor, but then there's also a question of like, what is the one thing or the one focal point? that we direct this capacity towards, because otherwise it then becomes activity traps. Um, mm. And so, I mean, that's sort of the a, a thing that I find interesting about what, what you've been talking about is the sort of the ability to like coordinate around a single sort of set of demands that are sort of related to one another and that allow the energy of different people to feed on one another.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it, I mean, it is and it is complicated like this. I've, I've heard of a case um, in, in Michigan where like a mutual, the, the like local mutual aid group refused to give people they were helping any information even about this tenant union that had been set up because they felt it was too political. Um, in general, my understanding, yeah, which is, I think, kind of a problem in which, I mean, I don't know if it's such a problem. It's a, yeah. I guess it's like, I mean you know, you've come across this this like problem of mutual aid groups that it tends because it's so sort of like especially because we're in this time of like massive crisis and it's like everyone's like all oh, people who are stuck in their homes need food or whatever and that's like again, what was like completely apolitical um, uh, premise or whatever or there's a kind of way that things like food security can kind of like be, be um, described in ways almost like leapfrog the political and then what happens is at some point in mutual aid organising it becomes clear people have vastly different kind of understandings of the situation politically and mm-hmm. in some yeah. cases I know of, at least in London that has caused um, splits. And I think that's great. I actually think, um, in terms of seeing mutual aid as like a base building exercise and seeing all these things is not, um, and I'm d- indebted to a really, truly extraordinary, um, uh, a tenant organizer uh, that was called Ricky who's, who's based in Lansing in Michigan for some of these insights. Cause we had like a really long conversation about some of this stuff yesterday, but, um, But it's kind of, yeah, in in the sense that like um, something like securing housing and seeing this phase, this phase of quite intense kind of struggle around uh, tenancy and housing and so on as being a moment where we could really like put in quite significant protections for tenants that don't currently exist and kind of really protect people from eviction more than they currently are protected and try and kind of insist on the right, you know, something like the, um, what the Homes Guarantee Campaign is mm-hmm. doing where they're trying to put housing on a level with maybe healthcare mm-hmm. where you're like, this is kind yeah. of basic, like what is, what, you know, the pyramid, Maslow's pyramid of needs kind of stuff. It's like, what are people going to need? <laughs> someone to live, and they need food and like, etc. And I think for me actually personally, as someone who's had an extraordinary amount of displacement in my life for various different, reasons I mean, everything from, you know, a like very sort of like family relationship chaos as a kid, so it's like constantly like between multiple different houses and moving around. And then, until recently, like last year, I had to move house in New York because my super racist neighbors kept putting in complaints about me. And eventually, the landlady like caved or whatever. So that was a kind of stressful yeah. time. It's actually quite yes. new. It's, it's almost like I'm having to, I think part of the reason I got so attached to like, Um, the rent strike stuff into kind of tenant organizing because you also asked a question or you were saying something about like how is it people pick a thing I think often it is for quite idiosyncratic emotional reasons it's just like what moves you kind of and I think I was quite moved by the idea that it's possible to insist you deserve a stable home people Mm -hmm. need a stable home that's a basic right and that, that is a sort of and there's a lot of moralizing that happens in terms of um you know, the idea of you're a renter, you even though New York City, for example, is like two-thirds renters, there's this, there's this idea that if you're not like a homeowner, maybe you've failed in life and like why are you even rent anyways? Then <laughs> if you can't afford your rent, it's like you're a fucking idiot, you know, like <laughs> 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 and, and this is despite the fact you know, it's just I'm like just started reading this book um Capital City and that has some amazing terrible stats in it, like uh for um uh the average uh wait, I had to look this up. The average just in terms of rent burden, like in a lot of black neighborhoods that, and black and know neighborhoods, that's like 44, 48 percent kind of of people's incomes is going towards rent, which is just completely obviously is a a, a terrible situation for something that's just like a basic need. And I think a lot of the campaigns like Homes Guarantee and so on and other kind of talent organizing, they're kind of one of the like, again, one of the horizons of of that is to kind of completely change the thinking around housing, which is just like, why is people paying rent at all, actually, beyond like, (laughs) obviously maintenance. Stuff or whatever. No, what's required to make? Why? Why is housing? And it, and there's very complex reasons housing's become a site of such like massive sort of international like finance capital and so much capital is like churning through housing or whatever. There's lots of in which you guys maybe like know about in more detail. Or whatever, but it's like you know that it's, it's actually a crazy situation. It, it is. Like, it's insane.
0: Out. It doesn't make it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense if like especially in the context of the crisis that we're currently in within New York City, right? So like uh New York City has an incredibly high proportion of people's incomes on average that goes towards rent the the magic number is supposed to be 30 percent um that's bullshit i think even uh even that sounds like too much but most people in new york pay between like 50 and 70 percent of their income towards rent um Mm -hmm. between that you know we have like a huge concentration of infections and a lot of our hospital emergency rooms have been like Uh, almost existing uh, as these like medicalized like shelters of last resort for a lot of the unhoused population in New York pre-crisis pre-crisis yeah Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking like uh, the past couple of years I'm talking two three years ago the uh, as the de Blasio administration closed more and more um, shelters in the city which already are like in the context of COVID like clearly not enough and in the context of like human dignity not enough also um especially when we have so many empty apartments and hotel rooms in the city like the housing stock is available it's just not financially accessible to people and you know it's like for years um they've sort of relied on the public hospital system to supplement the uh public shelter system which is already inadequate but now in the context of covid like that is not only like Uh, I would say like a human rights Crime, as you're saying, that like the city is making. We only but, say that
1: when liberals are like, "I love cuomo We're like, "Here is human rights right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. About,
3: like, rights Here's the, the list.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. To the hang with you. <laughs> um. You know, and so you have like this like doubly cruel scenario of like the uh on the housing issue is exacerbating the healthcare issue, which is a you know, a feedback loop, yeah. you know. So well, I mean,
2: this is one of the reasons why I think it's so important to beyond uh, pushing for a rent uh, cancellation or rent suspension to push for like much, much like talking about how now, now is a good time to not just have temporary Medicare for all, but to like have something like Medicare for all single payer, like uh, in the U S context, obviously. Um, Cause there's also like stuff that we're talking about in the, in the UK here, but like um, also in, but uh, also because like, for example, the, I think the 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 contradictions are so heightened when you realize too that you know we can we can push for a, a we can put, for, push for a rent cancellation rent s- suspension all that we want but again to bring it back to Cuomo within like New York State for example I mean real estate is one of Cuomo's primary um, uh, donors. donors like primary oh. benefit like benefit groups and and then on top of it because of the way that states organize their budgets and like do because of the way that state spending works I. I feel like I don't know I I it, this may be getting overly pessimistic but I feel like if we if we pass something like uh like a a rent freeze or something Cuomo would veto it and what he would say is that they depend on the tax revenue, revenue from from real estate which is just coming out of the pockets of the people so it's just Yeah he'll the, the probably threaten if we systemically if- yeah bankrupt uh institution basically which is why i think like pushing for homes getting to is so important
0: i can see the the press conference now he's sitting there you know you can (laughs) there's a little bit of a shadow it's unclear if the nipple ring it does or doesn't (laughs) exist (laughs) and he's like got the grimace he's got the polo on he's a little disheveled and he's banging his hands on the table with a little interpreter in the corner doing asl and he's like listen i i want to give you homes but if the landlords don't keep extracting profit from you, then how will I keep your public schools open? So it's really not up to me.
2: How will my daughters eat meatballs?
0: How, how will Sorry. your kids rise up pot. out of poverty if they won't get an education? You might as well be homeless than not allowed to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean, people? It's, it's as if
4: we should. You gotta should make just, tough uh, decisions. <laughs> it's as if we should yeah, uh, I think just it's, create it's our minimal. own
0: education
1: system. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, it's just Vince just muttering to himself about it. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) self-organization. I mean, I think that is another thing that, I mean, I I, I I guess um, people having different experiences with this, but I think another thing that the um, pandemic and the current phase of like really intense uh, kind of overwhelming crisis is... Showing is that is how much better. I mean, not to be like corny, a corny communist or whatever about it, but like <laughs> people working together are so much better at doing things than than institutions and like state bodies. So like in many cases, people have already kind of set up a whole, a whole system of like how to like distribute food before you know before local government is even like thought about having a meeting to like maybe discuss it or whatever mm-hmm. and I, I think it is and it, and it does give this vibe of like what does the government do again uh like do they do they do anything but I mean I guess that depends on like what you're looking at it from it is like a cool moment in the sense that I think this a sort of almost like um I feel like again like maybe too fuzzy. there's still infighting and all sorts of kind of stuff going on especially around like um I mean or you know around like some of the rent strike stuff or whatever but I think it's actually an an unusual we have an unusually high level of left unity right now um Mm -hmm. and and I and I don't and at one at one stage I was like oh maybe that's just a sort of automatic reflection of how bad the situation is but I don't think that's the case I think actually that's that's something that people have tried to be like flexible and kind of really try and listen to each other and that's been um uh, important or whatever I mean that's not happening across the I, I, I mean this is just going on sort of like I'm thinking about tenant organizing and, and the yeah. kind of current mm-hmm. situation of like you've got a really high amount of like overlap currently, which doesn't normally happen between like housing policy exactly. people and yeah. uh, tenant o- autonomous like tenant organizers. That's like pretty, that's not always the case because housing policy kind of happens in a somewhat kind of like rarefied um, a scenario where it, I mean of course it's super important to actually get things like on the books and into law or whatever bit it often includes like really high degrees of compromise and like whatever or kind of quite quite kind of reduced and watered down like versions of like tenant protection and, and so mm-hmm. on so um, so, so traditionally is quite a lot of ten- a tension between like tenant organising and housing policy but at the moment that's not really the case everyone's like yeah cool let's like <laughs> let's right. do this eviction moratorium like rent suspension right. 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 So let's just all do this together so I think that's like an amazing opportunity for actually getting through even though I'd say you know obviously of course like the The final boss is 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 and that's like tricky or whatever. But
3: um,
1: <laughs> but it is uh and, and and of course there's different different challenges in different states or whatever. Like some states have more, um, kind of whatever, like the worse or you know, like like I don't know, different situations of like all sorts of kind of regulation around tenancy, like late fees and that kind of thing. Yeah. But,
3: um,
4: uh, I w- I was just gonna note that, like, no matter you know who the as you put it, final boss, who the governor is in any state like nobody's no other state has like stepped forward, you know, at this point to to no. to be the first one to to cancel rent. So I think like, you know, New York City or New York State, just given like the, you know, immense pressure on renters it is like feels like as fertile a place as any, you know. So
0: as we talk about all the time, there's also the immense pressure of New York to, you know, remain um, hospitable to the business community as we were talking about in our, like, uh, New York State budget episode. Like, Mm -hmm. you know... A lot of the motivations that uh, are being peddled as public health measures or, or or things that are being peddled as public health measures or things done in times of crisis are actually just efforts to not protect people, but to preserve the credit rating of New York state and right. make sure that the perception of New York is a place of business that is liberal, but doesn't go too far as to step on um, you know, the right of businesses to extract profit, <laughs> yeah. um, which is the first right in the U.S. Constitution. Right. If you read it, you would know.
2: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what it says right after We the People. We right? the
0: People... Um, you know, <laughs> have the guy. right <laughs> to have all any and all profit extracted from our bodies, up to and including our tissue and plasma. Yeah. Um,
3: quite all, literally, <laughs> quite
0: yeah. literally. Um, you, know, our, our obligation to a rent-seeking well, uh, society is primary to our self-preservation. But you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like you, you have this. Uh, I was talking to an uh, organizer this morning who said that they were willing to be mentioned but didn't want to be named but she was saying that you know they were they had a meeting where they were on zoom and they decided to hang up and get on the phone because they were worried about being recorded because they started talking about how actually covid was finally providing them with the pressure that they've been trying to like explain to policymakers that they've been working with for like two decades in los angeles around like uh, policy with like uh, like sweeps and, and policing of homeless people like they were like we've always been at the table we came to the table we dress really nice we play their games and we tell them what the worst case scenario is and they tell us that's the worst case scenario that's never going to happen and as much as it sucks to be able to go to the table now and put your dick on the table and be like I told you so <laughs> <laughs> like We need to use that because we actually have it now, because, you know, as people have been warning and trying to organize to avert a situation like the one we're in for decades and, you know, neoliberal institutions or or people who believe in ethical capitalism as their primary (laughs) directive Uh are like, you know, they've been for years saying kicking it down Like, we'll do a Band-Aid. It's not there yet. When we get to there, we'll discuss it. We can talk about it in theory. But what's more important is, like, incremental fixes because we're not at, you know, year zero situation, like X, Y, Z, or whatever, but now we are.
2: Problem-solving caucus. Liberalism is like the, yeah, we'll do it later. (laughs) Yeah. Human rights, we'll do it later.
0: And they're like, (laughs) you know, it's, like, really much easier to have the conversation about, like, why you know people newly released from prison deserve like not only housing but like humane private housing Mm -hmm. not an sro not a halfway house like a home
2: well i think this is why um that talking about how so many of of these um demands which are actually really needs like sort of binding those uh together and recognizing them as sort of uh you know i don't know like a, a platform or a suite of of rights that actually in a in a way are um i don't know i think the i think the aside that you had about mutual aid uh organizations not wanting to engage in like too political of certain activities is like very funny because in a way some of these things like a home's guarantee and healthcare for all um and basic, like protect like ba- basic fucking fundamental protections i feel like should <laughs> should be apolitical if uh i don't know if we had a, a non-craven society um but i think that like <laughs> there's um there there's a <laughs> there, there's a good aside in the not aside really but there's a there's a part in the uh the piece that you just put up for art forum hannah um where you talk to um i don't know how to pronounce your uncle's name
1: Philippe van actually that was i only outed myself okay on twitter but that can be a, a special but yeah that's that's how because he's he's a yeah Philippe vampire is like a right uh, a lot, but,
2: dude. Um, <laughs> but so when so you're talking to Philippe van paris and uh there is the i, th- I think very pertinent I- important like left anxiety that ubi will be used specifically in a place like the united states where social programs um you know we we have none um are uh, like will be used to essentially ubi will essentially be used to um sort of act as sort of a market replacement yeah like a cash
0: benefit instead of like specifically allotted Uh, money for for like the way that the uk pays for wheelchairs now instead of like issuing wheelchairs they give you a card and say go buy a wheelchair right well i didn't know
1: know that wow
3: yeah
2: and um i don't know i think i think maybe even to maybe to sort of even uh bridge these conversations uh or something because you know in the united states now we have Uh, Like the CARES Act passed, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show, which is this like sort of one time payment that the entire media apparatus (laughs) decided like to say, oh, the government's paying twelve hundred dollars to everyone. Is this UBI? Like, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) which is ridiculous. But I think that the the thing that the two of you kind of settled on, basically, which was that if if something like a UBI was uh, universal basic income was instituted, that you would essentially need to actually make sure that that was part of a much broader sort of uh, platform of social services that mm-hmm. a UBI can't can't really exist almost without uh, without a system like a single payer. Um, if that makes sense,
1: yeah, totally. I think it's also quite um, almost like a sort of uh, again another sort of truism of like political activity is almost anything can be completely fucked up. Or, I mean, I can't remember exactly how fully um, phrased it, but the things can either be like a, regre- a pro- progressive or regressive and it's like under the same umbrella, under the same conceptual umbrella. Um, and I think all these things need sort of continuous kind of um, activity to maintain. But like, for example, I mean, it's also like been interesting being involved in the Bernie Sanders campaign to some extent um, in in uh the US and coming from the UK which obviously has a kind of um national health service which is like a free at point of care health service like funded off the back of like uh taxation and like very you know funded by the state and um uh which is hugely popular across an incredibly broad um range of political stances and i think that's also kind of interesting when once these things come into play they tend to appeal to a much broader um range of people than uh, the ones who are kind of agitating for it or whatever and they kind of remain popular mm-hmm. to the extent that the only way they've been able to they obviously have started to they've un- it's been massively underfunded it's been sort of like part privatized in these various ways that sort of yeah. like somewhat underhand or whatever but they can't directly say like everyone just get private health insurance and fuck you all or whatever, like it's <laughs> yeah. to, to some extent in, 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 the States or whatever. But then, but then at the same time it has to be constantly fought for. So I think there's a sort of, um, and, and, and that's hopefully, that hopefully that doesn't sound exhausting. Hopefully that's something about like, you yeah. know, you constantly stay in, in, in unity and like information with people and you constantly, can, whenever you have the energy and whatever for it, these things are kind of ongoing and, and kind of continue. And, and, and yeah, they don't, they're, they're not just like handed to us on a platter in any well, way. I, i guess
5: I guess that's also sort of the the frustrating thing about like the history of American social policy or like social thought about social policy, which is that, um, I do think that, like in the in sort of the progressive era, like this the sort of progressive imagination was that we are going to create these programs, and then they are going to, through their wisdom and through the wisdom of um technocratic. Uh, experts and like policy designers, they will somehow be self-sustaining. And like on one hand, on the one hand, it's like, yes, universal programs do create a big, big, big constituency for themselves, like social security. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like this idea that the state will absorb, well, like that a capitalist state will absorb these sort of demands of the working class and <laughs> then will somehow like auto manage, mm. like it'll just be sort of like direct deposit um, on those sort of demands is like really, that's the one thing that's really like frustrating is when you read like... um You know, sort of like even I think even like now is is sort of inhabits like left thinking, which is that like, okay, here's what we really need to be talking about. These this following like package of policies, which like I'm all for, but, you know, it it does sort of there's something unsatisfying. It does sort of feel like uh, horse and cart and maybe the wrong order, although I don't want to say one before the other. Well, but there's a there's a certain there's a certain
4: attitude of like, and then we did it. (laughs) <laughs> and like and like a and like there's a, there's like this impetus to be like look look what I made and then like walk away from it you know right, like a-
0: racism a- was solved in 1969 right. now it's
4: over <laughs> exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. and like and I think and I think the sooner that we can like disabuse ourselves of that kind of rhetoric that like y- you know stop pretending that like we can like you know if we do manage to to create these like monumental social programs. Uh, that like that they don't that they that they aren't going to need to to be continually like attended to, um, mm,
1: absolutely. Which I think sort of like yeah, hopefully sort of makes it clear why the more the, to some extent the more self organized things can be the better because it's like doesn't that seem yeah. complicated that every time you need to deal with that you'd have to go through this entire massive infrastructure? Maybe it'd be easier if we could have like. N- nurses could manage the hospital like I don't know what I mean I'm not really sure what all the like right, actual right. what that would look like in specific in the specific case of healthcare, or whatever but yeah and I think also it's just I, I think people re- people respond to different things um in terms of like uh politics or organizing or or just like being involved mm-hmm. in and in, in the living um I think this is like very much I mean everyone's been saying this but this is very much like the era of like a uh, militant care kind of. So it's like, cause I think that's <laughs> helpful in that stuff people are already doing, people already have kind of informal networks of like, of, of care in whatever way that kind of uh, how they keep themselves going. Mm-hmm. And it's only quite wealthy people that can kind of afford to be atomized in some sense or
5: whatever. But, um, no, I mean, so I guess this is a, from your conversation with, uh, Philippe, this is something that, uh, you know, I think it comes up for me over and over again is. I think we're trying to like find a a set of like things to focus on and to like devote a lot of the energy that remains to. And I guess I wonder from thinking about that, uh, do you think that UBI is, you know, should be at the top of that list? And then if so, you know, how do you defend, how, how do you think the left sort of defends its vision of UBI against this, you know, the obvious sort of neoliberal version of it, which will you know, ultimately, when it comes down to, like, by the time that MSNBC would be debating it, you know, will be the way that they talk about it. I'm
1: not, I'm not actually pro, I don't feel at all, I feel completely UBI neutral, and I think it is because of the thing, uh, I mean, obviously, I, I feel very differently about it than Philippe, who's dedicated his entire life to kind of right. agitating for it in various ways, and writing about it, and theorizing it, or whatever, like, from a left perspective, and he kind of comes out this of a kind of analytical Marxist kind of context that I don't really know so much about, that in some senses departs quite strongly from some forms of Marxism and it's kind of like it's almost like a kind of hypothesis of like is there is there a capitalist route to communism or whatever or kind of is there is can capitalism be justified and that kind of thing but Mm -hmm. I I feel like totally UBI neutral it's not something I would personally put I'm not personally like um a UBI person it's not something I feel moved by I'm not it's not something I want to because it's legislative so this actually I just remember what I was going to say earlier like I think I think it's um I've seen this expressed in terms of like personality types or whatever like people I think some people gravitate <laughs> towards like policy and legislation I think because they find that really they find the kind of um the sort of or the structure of that and the kind of concreteness of that really helpful or, what, or the kind of different form of concreteness really helpful I, I I personally feel much more attached to things that are kind of are, are like less less mediated kind of um forms of organization. And that is because I'm sort of like a recovering bra insurrectionist. So I tend to prefer things that are just like, <laughs> people should have stuff and it's nice if they have things or whatever. So I like things that are just like, hey, like here are who your neighbors are or like that kind of thing. More than I right. like things that are kind of like, this is the elaborate policy instrument that's going to um, get bring this thing about or whatever. I, I personally just feel like, I, I think with my personal feeling about EBI. I mean, I, I did the interview because I'd seen it around a lot and because there was a lot of stuff around the stimulus check and various things that was kind of shading into like, is UBI the answer kind of thing like was, was Andrew Yang right all along like this kind of thing so I was like oh right. this is like very like in right now and I feel like Philippe has like the most left wing or one of the more left wing kind of like conceptions of that I still think it's quite um, potentially problematic I mean the border stuff is quite difficult or at least I mean who knows what's going to yeah. happen with borders I mean it could be that it's a boon for right. the UBI te- for team UBI because we already have a situation of extremely restricted borders right now so actually some of the mm-hmm. that, that is one of the problems with UBI is it does kind of rests on um uh, you know or, or at least from the conversation with Philippe and from other kind of conversations around it it seems that it does quite strongly rest on like tight like border control Control, control like sovereignty, whatever. yeah sovereignty etc and then the only way to kind of work towards um a, a kind of the only way to overcome that would be by building yeah like in, in, international networks and kind of international institutions mm-hmm. but in some ways that's actually not so different I guess from the situation of health right now where you right. get like actually some quite you know so I think even people like relatively on the right although maybe I mean I was going to cite a UK politician which is funny because obviously the UK right is in some ways to the left of the uh, American <laughs> left so like so in terms of like you know, party institutions or whatever even though they're like fucking evil and terrible and you know in, in alignment or whatever it's kind of confusing but um but yeah it does seem like kind of the, the way i mean mike davis has been really pushing this idea that in order to deal with um uh kind of uh, the what's going to be not only this pandemic but potentially future pandemics this kind of like different forms right. of agriculture and so on kind of produce more and more pa- pathogens etc and kind of like stream them into like uh populations but um uh, what this requires is like a global network of like health provision that spans from like the poorest right. countries to the richest because we're all interconnected through um, the operation of, of disease and the body and so on but and so maybe maybe that isn't maybe there's something comparable that could happen with UBI or whatever as if, if those institutions do get developed it does feel a bit like yeah like the United Nations in a Marvel movie right now where you're like it's not <laughs> clear if that's <laughs> at all politically possible and it's not anything um, at the moment like people are having to work quite locally and that that's good and has tons of advice advantages in, in, in right. lots of ways. But, um, but yeah, I do, I, yeah, I don't, I don't personally find UBI super inspiring. I feel like it seems, it seems better to kind of, um, push for, um, uh, kind of, um, more like in, in kind kind of, uh, benefits right. and, it, and it kind of increases mm-hmm. in the social re- wage in, t- in terms of like services seems like a more, a more legit kind of, um, way to yeah. proceed. So, um, but I mean, some people are really into it, and that's cool. And as long as they're not getting in the way of people who are trying to work on stuff like making sure there's a the adequate healthcare system or making right. sure people have homes, that's fine. It should <laughs> never replace any. It can't replace any of those right. things. But cool, if people get free money? I love money. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, when that,
0: one of the ways that I always explain this to people when they're like, when they think of like social programs as sort of like a closet Marie Kondo situation of a one in one out <laughs> sort of thing, is mm. I'm like, listen, when my doctor's prescribed a new medication i don't it's not like okay you take one medication so we're going to do this one now and if you start a new one then we discontinue the old one like that's Mm. ridiculous right so (laughs) if like these social programs also in a way are like hypothetically like also medication and that they're like prophylactic or preventative um acute interventions that keep you alive right then like you can't really argue that any of them are substitutes for each other.
1: And- so, yeah, yeah, totally. Right. I agree. And also, like, I think just the kind of general, like, old, you know, like, whatever, like, basic uh, Marxist insight or, like, you know, general kind of, like, radical insight, which is, like, it's 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 the people's money, you know, it's our money. Like they're spending right. it on some random crap right now. Like they all have yachts or whatever. That's that's not. I mean, there is. I mean, obviously, like I, I liked what someone said. I can't remember really who said this earlier. Of like, like surely you know, there's a kind of thing that I think a lot of people on the left do. You're like, this is just practical. Like this isn't even political. Everyone should just have free homes and food <laughs> and everything should be nice or whatever. That's not even politics. And it's like, of course, that's like the key question of politics or whatever is like how to get all that stuff, or whatever. But I think, that, yeah, there, it does. It does feel like there's a kind of way you can. It's it's tempting to kind of express it quite pragmatically. You're like, this is money that's being generated you know the two sources of value are labor and nature at the moment people are obviously you know like working and like nature's being extracted from in various ways and this money's going to complete shit and why not have yeah ubi and medicare for all and homes guarantee and like like you know
0: like better yet we have a fantastic pre-existing infrastructure for an international delivery of like healthcare, and we could piggyback everything on that by just taking over pharma And Mm -hmm. um, you could just internationally seize pharma and create, like, what? We could make, like, we could actually make the Avengers or whatever. We'll just make them, like, give everyone, like, a home. And, uh, you know, we can tell, like, Gilead sales reps that they're now Avengers as long as they go and, like, you know, (laughs) administer rural health care wherever. You know That's the
1: kind of – I think that's a really interesting point that I think is – I I mean, I don't 100% understand all the kind of complexities of – uh yeah like uh, supply international supply chains and like how these things would kind of work but like one thing that's come up in relation to um Uh, the sort of like movement for homes or whatever across the broad range of that from the like housing policy people Mm -hmm. to the tenant organizers or whatever is the kind of fear that what might happen as um kind of um i mean this is obviously historically grounded fear that what might happen is that um uh big big corporations this is what happened obviously like post 2008 is like equity firms like buying up a lot of houses and then kind of like uh kind of like flipping them or whatever and um and um and that this will mean that that more housing is in the hands of like big corporations. Um, I have a controversial, I mean, sort of similar to your uh, big farmer point. It's like a kind of like <laughs> controversial take based on talking to like a housing or a tenant activist in, in London. who's was like, and he was like, well, in some ways I kind of prefer it if we had fewer landlords to deal with. And then no <laughs> it, was <Yeah>. like, <laughs> yes. it was also like, I think the fact that so many landlords is quite, um, it has a sort of, you know, the, 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 the lure of home ownership has quite an ideologically bad, effect in some ways. I mean mm-hmm. obviously like it's completely understandable. People want to own homes because um the housing is so insecure and the so Little tenant protection. I mean, in countries like Germany, where there's more tenant protection, the relation to home ownership and renting is like super different, or whatever. Not to like idealize um, uh, Germany or anything, but like, um, but you know that there is a correlation between those things, or whatever. So, but and then also like people kind of uh, talk. I think there's also this idea, of like you know, it comes up a lot in relation to riots, where people say, like, why would they? Why would they destroy the Why did they burn down their local shops? And it's like, if you have <laughs> no money and you go into a shop and you can't afford stuff, it's kind of does it really matter that much if the shop is owned by like. One person owns only one store, or someone who owns like you know, multiple stores. It doesn't really matter if it's Walmart or like your local bodega, if your relationship to it is one of um, uh, inaccessibility and like so on. I mean, not to kind of be too sweeping about that, but it's just like it often comes up that this idea that it was a small business, and and, you know, and of course, in some ways, there are advantages to kind of non expansive business models and like so on, or whatever. And the kind of family business model maybe has some advantages, or whatever, but at the same time, I think a lot of these, um, Small landlords also, you know, have like, yeah, are also in in, an intensely exploitative relation to the people they're making money off. A lot of them aren't paying off mortgages. They bought their places in cash and so on. So it's kind of, um, yeah, I think I think there's a sort of fetishization of like or or at least I think it's worth putting like a light kind of like faint question mark over some of the not not to like completely delegitimize that. Of course, that's a worry. But to to say like just it's not that automatically like the, the bigger the corporation, like the worst the problem necessarily, like, I mean, even right. though in some ways it could produce problems. Also with like organizing, you know, labor organizing or whatever is potentially a, a strength if things are kind of more, more networked, but Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I feel like the the problem with because I, I think often I hear that argument made as as like a uh, both both within the context of housing, but also within the context of like something like pharma, for example, uh, or media institutions, or like, like uh, buy- or like, you know, telecoms who are buying up media companies that like, or like the hospital bigger,
0: consolidation, right? Thing.
2: Hospital consolidation is a really good one that like hospital consolidation makes it much more easy for uh, that entire industry to just be seized and become an american nhs for example um because in a, in a way they like remove some of the um the bureaucratic complexity of having all of these different actors i think i feel like the problem is that over the is that in the meantime as as that uh, process of consolidation continues obviously there's going to be i I'd, I'd say mo- more likely far more likely than not that as that the longer that process continues of consolidation, the more miseration that consolidation is probably going to cause mm-hmm. um until you get to the point where things are so untenable that it is just okay that that you do either have that leverage that those tenant organizers are or would, totally. would theoretically want from having fewer landlords to bar- bargain with basically um and and more constituents essentially for for a uh i don't know ho- like r- rent strike action for example mm. against mm. an individual large actor like i don't know black rock or something um but but yeah i i just feel like so much so much immiseration is done in in the road to that it almost it almost mm. reminds me of the thing of um uh, what's what's the name of the woman who's the head of the the uh, flight attendants union uh, um, Sarah Sarah Nelson Sarah Nelson okay, yeah. yeah it's like that i feel like it's like the thing that Sarah Nelson says which is responding to uh leftists saying like oh great like uh, let the airlines go bankrupt and then we can just nationalize like all the airlines it's right. it's like in the in the lead up to that there are all of these uh it, like so many of their union members will be you know f- like fired for a letter, right. like put and uh like lose their lose their um like support for living you know what i mean i mean
0: one of the things that i think she also point tends to point out which i think is another strong point and sort of broadly applicable here is that you know in a lot of ways a lot of these industries are bankrupt already regardless Mm. of how liquid they appear to be
2: certainly morally yeah well
0: but no like literally like if you think about the um the extent to which the federal government supports the airline manufacturing and operations industry, you know, Mm. between the fact that, you know, we have a nationalized FAA, right, which is a essentially a free resource for every airline carrier, that would be something that they would be incapable of administering as private individual companies. There are so many instances of these industries, what be it real estate, pharmaceuticals in terms of like, you know, the justification for pharmaceutical patents and then being able to charge exorbitant prices is that, is that they have to make up R&D costs. Well, mm. so that means that the government heavily subsidized research. But the problem is, is that we know for a fact that like, I think it's what 60% of their revenue is actually spent on advertising, mm. not on research. <laughs> so there there is already this like funding and subsidy going on and that these things are like already to, in a way bankrupt so it's more about like yeah.
2: insurance industry gets so much money from fa- right. federal and state governments yeah. right
0: yeah it's that we almost like already own it anyways we've just been tricked into a to handing over the keys to someone else
1: yeah it almost feels like and also that kind of in, like post uh 2007 2008 crisis it's almost as if we're doing like a kind of like a, a like play economy or whatever it's like <laughs> Let's pretend there's an economy and then it's all just kind of like printing money and like the fed has to support things but i don't know like um uh, yeah, I think that's. But then on the other hand, when I think about because this often comes up, right, of like the like what about jobs question, and I think that would be a, a that that would be an argument for kind of um, uh, stuff like uh, tenant organizing and rent, you know, like whatever kind of like really like robust and militant like uh, tenant movements and uh, other kinds of like mutual aid based movements actually kind of like somewhat um, uh, cushioning a potential uh, you know the potential consequences of becoming unemployed. Same with Medicare. Medicare right. for All and so on because I think that, that that can be a bit I mean not not to say in some cases that you know of course it's important to consider people's situation but it's like I a, 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 a wonder if, if if it would be helpful to kind of like put those things together in that way where it's like well of course like there's two problems here one is like it's a problem if someone loses their job but it's also a problem that the consequences of losing your job are completely catastrophic um, right. that, that that's maybe the more that's a problem that can be can be kind of worked on in different ways perhaps for sure I think yeah. any other
4: The other funny parallel of like sort of this idea that like we 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 have actually nationalized everything we just aren't uh like we we don't have like a a a board seat yet it's just like (laughs) how that how that like maps maps onto renting right it's like I live here I take out the trash I like you know (laughs) like I, I fix all the problems in the house what uh what? I have the
0: keys, and I lock the door, but I don't own it.
2: Right, right. Yeah. What, what more really is Your there? Your landlord lives ownership. there, and you're squatting. Right, yeah, I know, I
0: i mean yeah you could argue that it's a conceptual problem and that we all just need to think a little bit differently i guess i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um uh hannah thank you so much for joining us do you have any last points or rants or anything you want to plug um i want to just i think
1: i wanted to connect up a few i mean i'm also we're all like on such a like i mean whatever Everything's so such a steep learning curve in some ways Right now, but um, but I've noticed. So, okay, I guess like one of the, one of the accounts of like, why is it that the US doesn't have things like a nationalized um, health service and so on, or a kind of free at point of care? Mm-hmm health service and one of the arguments is that um, the sort of like general like you know the, the, the kind of um, intensity of the operation of like white supremacy in the states has been such that that has actually kind of broke I mean this is a, I think this is like right. arguable but that's one of the things people would say and I guess that the inverse of that is that an equally kind of like Um, uh, arguable point about the idea that the way that Scandinavian countries were for a long time able to maintain quite a high social wage that has kind of like decreased in recent years along with everyone else's but the reason they're able to do that is because they're kind of like 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 Mm monocultural kind of like majority white countries (laughs) or whatever. So it's like, okay, so like, and then, and then the Amazon um, uh, union activity tracker that everyone was talking about recently. I forgot we
0: wanted to talk about that.
1: Yeah. It had a line in it that was like, uh, uh, so like whole foods branches or like stores that are more, um, that are less diverse and more likely to unionize so then I, and I don't I didn't look into it yet but I, I mean that seems to indicate some kind of this, you know the, the the like problem of the racial or whatever and and again like in terms of uh, what I know of like mutual aid and, and, um, uh, and, and in terms of like tenant organizing in New York like a problem people are having is, is kind of like the, across like age race and class differentials it can be quite hard to connect with other people in the building obviously it's a city that operates with a really high degree of atomization that we all enjoy um <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 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 all sorts of weird social forms possible but it's like you know these things are kind of constantly coming up people like how am i and and that was also the case with like sorry and then the and then the other thing that is um in terms of like mutual aid uh organizing in new york right now like a lot of people who are quite new to organizing maybe haven't done it before and and um working with like majority white kind of organizational forms are maybe not uh making the right kinds of connections with like other longer term mutual aid efforts that have been going on uh, for 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 a while, and a, and a predominantly like black and brown, and like and so on, and um, so so so. I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, this is a kind of completely intractable, complex problem, or whatever. Or it's like really, or it's like hard to like get into the interior of it. But it's just like highlight this is important. I think what we're seeing right now is a kind of almost like you know, it's like there's been a lot of like wrangling around like which is the primary mode motiva- of oppression out of all <laughs> the different ones. It's like oh look, they're all just operating together all the time, and we have to kind of conduct ourselves with like uh, awareness of that. So I guess it's just like a Small plea on that level, and then, and also, I think kind of like being more alive to that can kind of make sense of what's otherwise quite confusing. Sort of like um, what appears as kind of ideological differences can often kind of actually, when you when you when you kind of drill down into what you kind of talk to people more, you can discover that there's quite complicated things going on going on underneath the surface. For example, with the initial um, move to rent strike was led by for reasons that completely make sense was led by people who are anyway more, you know, like basically like young, kind of like more educated, kind of like also poor and uh, you know working class in the sense they don't own capital and they're reliant on the wage and so on but people Mm -hmm. who are maybe like anyway more mobile don't have dependents like uh, etc etc they were like totally going ho like let's rent strike and then people quite frustrated that some of the older um, tenant or or some of the kind of more um, long-term tenant organizers was like oh this is actually quite a serious thing to ask people to do whatever and were more uh, had more trepidation about it and I think they were wrong like the people who are saying don't rent strike or we're kind of not offering people the opportunity to rent strike or we're dissuading people to rent strike I think that was like the wrong move but where it came right. from was the fact that those people are representing, like often uh, older black people or older brown people who are like, re- you know, have have just historically been extremely displaced and are really worried right. about it. So it's kind of, I think there's right. kind of um, something about like conduct. I mean, I also have to remind myself of this all the time, just trying to conduct ourselves with like humility that people are coming from quite different experiences and and like, uh, not, you know, no one's no one's reinventing any wheels here, but we have to kind of like. Um, Maybe try and like respectfully connect up as much as possible, and do and and do that with a yeah. sense that sometimes we don't know what we're doing or whatever. So yeah. I think I think that's and the and the totally. one the rent so the rent strike in Brooklyn that's doing that's been quite prominent, like the one, two, three, four Pacific, um, rent strike. That's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've come across it at all, but that it's really mm-hmm. interesting and, um, has a, I can't remember what the percentage of the building is. that's on rent strike, but it's like pretty impressive. And, um, and they, uh, but they've been organi- organizing for a year and a half and they started out with, um, uh, kind of organizing around repairs and stuff. So that I think they're, they're you know, and obviously like what's happening now is there isn't time for spending a year and a half getting to know people. So we're having to all do this, like a really intense kind of like right. crash courses and mm-hmm. things. And we are all, you know, and, and, and what what I think the tenant um, movement or the, tenant, the situation with rent strike right now is showing is that actually the, the kind of ordinary people are to some extent ahead of the institutions that have traditionally been sort of like... Uh, shepherding them or whatever or like helping them those people are actually like pushing mm-hmm. for in, in many cases people are pushing for rent. ordinary people are pushing for rent strike harder than their like tenant union or whatever mm-hmm. they're like no right. we want to do yeah. this now so that is actually you know that's i think that's what's giving it the kind of flavor of a revolutionary situation is even though it's, it's not a revolutionary situation as, as was pointed out in that really excellent um chuang um, you know, that like Anglophones in China kind of blog that everyone was like sharing around or whatever, and they pointed out this kind of has the appearance of a mass strike, but kind of hollowed out or whatever, because it's actually happening at a time where the left isn't doing right. amazing. I know, but like, uh, so, but you know, it's it it is a situation where um there's a kind of re- revolutionary uh, effect of like people pushing a lot harder than the institutions of the people, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna. So I'm I'm optimistic. People will find ways to overcome these social tensions. But I think it is important to just kind of acknowledge they're there and they're real. And people, we do really have to kind of like uh, be careful how we navigate around them. I oh, think that's sure. like a
2: really uh, good way to think about it, especially considering that actually that that sort of um tension is something that I feel we all here uh but certainly b and I personally have like encountered in the even in uh talking to some healthcare activists here for example yeah. so it's almost i feel like it might almost be happening across um a lot of sectors, which yeah. means that you know um it's that actually is a good moment of foment when the when the people are asking for more than even the sort of like uh like legacy uh i don't know even think think of the think of how how um it's like some of our criticisms of the sort of moderating uh political aspirations of like the current iteration of like a legacy <laughs> uh legacy activist organization like act up new york right, for example right, you know right. um
1: so yeah because they because actually the, the i mean sorry
2: my last point <laughs> uh, sure. no 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 no, go no. Ahead. no they're,
1: they're, i think it's really important to um Acknowledge that actually uh a lot of people don't have expertise in the thing that's now being asked of them or whatever. So for example, in the case of rent strike, uh the traditional rent strike, not to say that every rent strike is like this, but the traditional rent strike would be organized around like a specific demand. And the idea would be to kind of like potentially to like to to, to you know to like get to court and to kind of like to, to right. win. Kind of so that would be right. kind of so you'd be organizing around repairs and it would be like uh focus on the landlord and it'd be building base and so on. And what's happening now isn't really like that right and it's
0: also usually uh, heavily involves like rent escrow too where like there's yes. this whole process of like documentation and proving that you still have it as you like negotiate through the court system like it's um which is a very different thing than like what's happening now it's a
1: yeah, yeah totally I think that's really comp- and I've heard and I've uh, heard cases of people being told to somehow fundraise for rent for people who can't pay rent in <laughs> order to have money in which is just like, doesn't make any sense. It's just like, why do that? And then, and actually someone in, justice for a rent strike toolkit um uh like they did that kind of Facebook live launch, or whatever and someone was saying like pretty I can't remember who it was but someone was saying pretty forcefully in reference to um one of the uh, the the, the 1994 rent strike in the lower East side in New York that, um, yeah. that uh that she was she was like those people could not pay their rent they were not choosing to not pay their rent they could not pay their rent and I thought that was a really good intervention because <laughs> when someone says it like that you're like oh that does sound whatever but then at the same time like I heard um, Tank, uh, which is based uh, the Bay Area uh, tenant group uh, mm-hmm. did a really amazing um, uh, Zoom with um, this guy Gerald Smith who's like ex-Black Panther and he was involved in the 1963 to 65 Harlem rent strikes and um, mm-hmm. and he he gave this very impassioned thing about um, describing the kind of like barren moonscape left behind after landlords died uh, you know as, as they famously do paying people to commit arson and burn down their property right. so they could claim on the insurance <laughs> because it was no longer profitable in any way and he was like it was like a moonscape and then he's like that's what happens if you don't organise tenants and he was like, um, and he was very convincing. And he was like, poverty isn't a strike. And he was very into the idea that you have to have things in escrow and so on. But like, I think that is, you know, it's just and and like, obviously, someone who. Um, and I think that's the problem. People are really housing is so sensitive. It's so right. I mean, it's so intense to ask people to risk their home. It's so intense, and um and uh, and especially if they have things like you know they're sharing childcare with neighbours mm-hmm. or whatever. Like people have really complex networks of support. I mean, they can't just risk their home or whatever. So that in in some cases, but um but uh, But yeah, I think in this case, it's just like the situation is ahead of us. Like, it's just not, it's like people literally can't pay and the antagonist is the state. Um, It's not the landlord. It is the landlord, Mm -hmm. but the landlord has to be put under pressure to help get whatever the landlords need. I don't know. They can get that. And it's, I mean, I didn't read through Ilhan Omar's uh, bill, uh, but I mean, it seems like there are people kind of trying to, you know, we do have like, politician allies or whatever so there is there is stuff to kind of be one but I think that also has to be happening in the same way that has to the pressure has to be coming from people right oh, yeah.
0: I, I mean in my own personal life I've found being in the position of having nothing to lose to being incredibly politically generative and mm-hmm. uh you know Absolutely. obviously stressful but I um I feel like we are all looking at a couple different um like n- new parameters for thinking about our lives and like yeah that's a that's a really great way to sort of think about like going forward i don't want to keep you too long thank you so much for joining thank us. thank
3: you this is great um, thanks thank so much, much. Time. yeah no
0: it was so nice it was so nice having you um people can find you on twitter right uh is they it can. At sometimes
1: Nanpansky? i activate out of shame but yes uh yeah i didn't we didn't maybe didn't let you do the intro but maybe you could tag that on later and just be like this is a person who's on the internet or whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> put it, we'll put it in the
2: show notes yeah okay. we'll put it in the show notes yeah oh,
1: totally cool. okay, it's fine. I'm going to listen to your New York State budget episode I'm uh,
2: excited oh, to... great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes it's a,
0: it's a fun one and uh, we believe that as New Yorkers we all have a responsibility to nerf Cuomo before he is inflicted on the rest of the world so
4: right.
0: yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's part of my personal mission
2: yeah actually if you brought him into this world and we're gonna take him out if you're listening to this and you know uh and you maybe have a legal specialty in human rights abuses um and would like to partner on an op-ed uh, happy happy to help facilitate i'm this, actually yeah
0: i'm actually thinking of one patron in specific like in particular i will be emailing you um about
3: <laughs> you know, this it has to be like really
1: neutral as if it's a- what do you think personally about the likelihood of
3: him trying for human proposal. rights? rights? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like,
2: we could do the the five thirty eight like probability rating. I <laughs>
1: think people are humanizing yes. him too, like forget people are humanizing him too much. We need to go the opposite yes. direction. It's like it's he. It's not like does he have a nipple ring? It's like is he a lizard? Is he, yeah. is he a <laughs> Nazi <Nancy> lizard? <laughs> Can, you know protect some cute we're just asking it's a question it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah right, exactly. what, it's just factual um, yeah what,
4: what weirdo gave a lizard a nipple ring wow well, <laughs> anyway, sorry yeah. wow well,
1: Really um, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Sad. I Ready mean I, I think that's that's our new mission welcome to the death panel the only podcast with day to day updates <laughs> on your favorite Nazi
1: lizard
3: <laughs> <laughs> people uh, will be
1: like is it the queen <laughs> um, okay, cool, to to you. <laughs> the joke uh, is it's all of them it's
4: yeah. all of them we're <laughs> 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 great to talk
0: and yes, yeah. Yeah. Hell, thank Thanks, you so Ella. much we really bye. appreciate it See bye take take right. right. yes yeah. Folks, thank you so much for listening Um, We will catch you in the next episode Um, Thank you for being a patron And for supporting the show We couldn't do this without you And uh, Stay alive another week